0: This is a Salaback Church Podcast. As we've been talking about emotions and emotional health on this podcast over the last few weeks, and even more in the weeks to come, I wanted to take today's episode to look at emotions in the Bible. Now, sometimes people find themselves in a belief that the spiritual that the more spiritual you get, the less emotional you should be. Like the picture of a perfect saint is one who is either only kind or maybe even uh, completely stoic. But the pictures we see of key people in the Bible actually paint a very different picture of emotions. We see the whole spectrum of emotions played out in some of the most well-known people in Scripture. So today, I am joined by Linda Tokar a spiritual growth pastor here at Saddleback, to look at how we see emotions play out in the Bible. My name is Jason Wheeland, and this is Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your friendship with God. Now, my conversation with Linda Tokar. Hi, Linda.
1: Hey, Jason.
0: <laughs> so I asked you to do a similar exercise to something that we did um, in our last series on relational sure. health. In that series, I, we uh, talked about different relationships from the Bible and lessons that we could learn from that. Yes. Um, so I, I asked you to do a similar exercise here today, Yes. which is looking uh, at cases through the Bible, where we can learn about our emotions and emotional health through different places in the Bible. Yes. So with that prompt, what do you have for us?
1: (laughs) (laughs) The door is open. I shall walk through. So no, this was super fun for me. Um, And what I wanted to do is start by setting up some important truths and just reminders about emotions sometimes the way we talk about them reveal that we don't quite understand kind of how they, where they come from and how they work. So the first thing is that the Bible describes God as having emotions and the fact that we have emotions is part of being made in his image. So emotions are, they're good. They're part of who we have been designed to be. I think sometimes we try to put emotions into categories like oh these are good emotions, these are bad emotions. No, emotions are just how we've been created. Yeah. And so um just to remind ourselves that this is part of being made in God's image.
0: Yeah. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't like I God made people, oops, people developed emotions. Right, no. <laughs> it's all part of the package. It's part of the It's pa- in the pot.
1: <laughs> and it reflects yeah. him. It yeah. reflects who he is. So and again they're part of the human experience. They're not inherently sinful. So you can have an emotion, and it's not necessarily good or bad, but what you do with it, yeah. how you respond to it, that's where sin can enter the picture. Yeah, And so we're going to look in a little while at Jesus and see that he experienced many, many, many of the kinds of emotions we have. The difference is in how he responded. So there was really... Interesting uh, study that I read out of Columbia Theological Seminary, and it kind of drew the difference or drew a distinction between emotions and feelings. I thought, aren't they the same thing?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the, here's what they said: their kind of conclusion. He said, emotions are not merely feelings; they do not reside solely in our hearts. Instead, they lie at the intersection of the body and the mind. They cause changes in what our bodies feel. At the same time, they stem from quick judgments made by our brains about the nature of the world around us. For example, a feeling of fear ignites our fight, flight, or freeze response, and that's a feeling that impacts our entire body. Mm -hmm. So there's just this sense that emotions... um, they happen because we've made judgments and conclusions in our mind that we haven't even realized we've made. And pretty soon we're responding to something with a feeling that's based on an evaluation. We talk about this in other yeah. doable discipleship episodes and found episodes yeah. about brain science and how the right side of our brain has evaluated, concluded, and we've responded before we even realize what those things are. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. E- and you can go back and listen to the episode we did with Todd Oltoff a couple weeks ago. We'll put that in the show notes. It's kind of, It sets the stage for this whole conversation on emotions and emotional health. And Todd goes a little bit in, 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 deeper into um, all that stuff. But but all I have to say is, is that emotions are a natural part of our lives. Mm-hmm. They come up as responses, and we may be more inclined to different emotions and different... Um, as different stimuli happen and we may find ourselves either more emotional or less emotional over different things um it's just kind of the way our brains work and right. our brains have developed but all that being said is that emotions are a natural part of human life uh because God has emotions and that's how he created us
1: exactly exactly another really important reminder is that emotions are a gauge not a guide Um, They can indicate what's going on inside, but they should never be the sole determinant of what course of action you're going to take. I think sometimes we get ourselves in trouble because we feel a certain way and then we act or we speak and that almost never goes well. Yeah. Another is that our emotions connect us to one another in Romans 12, in... Um, the book of Ecclesiastes, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. So when we, as we engage with one another in the emotions that we're experiencing, it it connects us to one another. Very true. We talked in our last series about um, bearing one another's burdens and and entering into whether it's pain or joy or whatever, and that, that ties us to one another. So for this episode, that was my little setup, but for this episode, I wanted to focus on the examples that we see of emotions being expressed, experienced and expressed in the Bible. And first I want to look at the life of Jesus, and then I want to look at the life of King David. And Great. I Great. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So seeing in the seeing emotions in the life of Jesus, that helps us believe more fully the fact that he truly lived a human life and we can we know that he can understand everything we experience, but it's also important because since Jesus is God, it's a powerful reminder of where I started, mm-hmm. the fact that God experiences emotions. Yeah, But I also know that it's really easy to look at the life of Jesus and say, yeah, but he's Jesus. <laughs> I mean, come on. He has an advantage in this. So I also wanted to look at somebody that maybe we could relate to a little better at times and that would be King David because God chose him, God called him a man after his own heart, but he also as we know made some real bonehead choices. Yeah. and caused pain in his life and the life of others. So I thought, okay, between Jesus and King David, I think we can get a really good picture of what it's like to, you know, what emotional health can look like.
0: Yeah, and I think these are good reminders of the that it is okay to experience the whole gamut of yeah. emotions, right? I think there, I mean, I, or I'm sure that there are people who have this belief of no, like the more spiritual I am, right, or I should be, I grow to be, then the more stoic I am. Like things just don't, don't phase me because yeah. I'm so, uh, in tune with God yeah. that I don't need, you know, I, I, I don't need to be angry or sad by things because I can just over-spiritualize things. Almost. Right. And um, if you think that and operate that way, well, that would be different than how Jesus did things. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and that's it, right? Sometimes we think, well, I'll only have the the positive emotions as I get more spiritually mature or something yeah. like that. I won't struggle with anger or frustration anymore. Yeah. It's like, well, let's look at Jesus because he did all those.
0: <laughs> well, let's look at our Lord and Savior. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Let's start there. A very good place to start. So we'll start with a softball. Of course, Jesus experienced love. This, You know, we read about specifically in the story of the rich young ruler and in the midst of the, his conversation with him in Mark 20 or Mark 10 verse 21, it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. So
0: yeah, we have a uh, a song in our house. So for our kids, when we're teaching them Bible verses yes. to memorize, Alicia my wife comes up with uh, little song tunes to put them to. Yes. So this one is Jesus looked, looked, looked at him and loved him. Jesus, uh, uh, Mark ten twenty one, and my kids know it. See, isn't that cool?
1: Yeah. Now that that is what I will be singing in the hallway. <laughs> Thank you. You're very gonna be much. walking
0: up into Jesus looked, <laughs> looked, looked at him and loved him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I knew we'd get Jason to sing. You know, this is a thing around here. (laughs) Get Jason. So
0: sometimes it it just pops out and you don't expect it.
1: Love it. So, but also in the example of Jesus, we know that the Apostle John was frequently referred to specifically as the disciple that Jesus loved. So John was one of his disciples, but he was also one of his close and intimate friends. So Jesus experienced love. Jesus experienced joy. Um, in John fifteen, ten to eleven he experiences joy just at the act of pleasing his followers. He told, Jesus told his followers that if they keep his commands, they will abide in his love, just as he has kept his father's commandments and abides in his father's loves. And he says, these things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. And so what joy was Jesus referring to, to the joy that came from obedience to his father. So he found joy in that. But then Another example of Jesus and the experience of joy we find in, in Hebrews where it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So in that one, joy is not like happy, happy joy. Yeah. <laughs> this is not that. This yeah. is this deep... Um, this deep knowledge of God's pleasure hmm. with him for his obedience in one of what was, I mean, obviously the most difficult thing that any human has ever experienced.
0: Yeah. So. No, that's so true. Was that a Ren and Stippy reference?
1: It was.
0: Wow. Okay. I <laughs> wasn't expecting that. Now, for this one, I have a song for this one too. You do? Well, because there's the song, the joy song that we sing in church. You know, I've got yeah. joy, joy, joy. Now my thing with this one, it's also involves my kids. Is I will sing this at home, and you know, and it does it does the loud part at the end, right? I've got joy, 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 and then, I've got joy, and it's yes. like, and then you, then know, you shout, and yes, and then you shout it, right? So my kids, every time I do that, are like, "Why are you yelling at me?" And I'm like, "No, it's not. It's you the did, song." It's Sometimes joy just bursts out. It's bursting
1: forth, it is.
0: And and my kids are like, ah, too loud. (laughs) So, anyway, we'll see if I can come up with a song example for each one of these. But so far, we've done love and joy. And those are two of those like happy, good side emotions. Those are ones that one would equate with. Right. And we'd expect Jesus. God incarnate. Yeah. Right.
1: But then let's look at some more. We also see exhaustion. Yeah. Just utter exhaustion. And in this case, this is Luke 5. It's from the demands of ministry. Um, Luke is writing, and it says, Yet the news about him, that being Jesus, spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Mm-hmm. And so in just the dailiness of the the people that were coming to him and wanting to hear from him and touch him and be healed by him and learn from him and just be in his presence. That is physically exhausting and emotionally exhausting. I mean, you can only pour out so much before you need to retreat and be poured into. And so yeah. I love that we see that in his humanity, he had to withdraw mm-hmm. and be filled by the father.
0: Yeah.
1: And so again, exhaustion, not a problem. We've, we've,
0: it's okay to feel exhausted.
1: It's okay. We see it again in John chapter six. After the people saw the miraculous signs that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who's come into the world. And Jesus, knowing they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew to a mountain by himself. It's like, this is not the time. I need
0: to peace out.
1: I, yeah, he literally peaced out. <laughs> <laughs> the prince of peace. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, mm. we are in rare form today, Jesus <laughs> okay so jesus experienced exhaustion he also experienced anger and this one i think is sometimes surprising to people because this is one of those emotions that i think we feel like maybe we shouldn't feel sometimes when we feel it yeah. it's like oh i should be more spiritual and not feel anger well jesus experienced anger quite profoundly um in matthew 23 the religious leaders were so hypocritical and he was so frustrated and angry with them. He calls out to them, you snakes, you brood of vipers. How will you escape being condemned to hell?
0: Not something you want Jesus saying do you?
1: No, no, I would prefer not to have Jesus (laughs) say that to me, but he was, he was legitimately and angry for a purpose. I mean, They were misrepresenting God to the people. Mm -hmm. They were lording over the people with authority they did not really have. They were putting forth a holiness that they had not, that was not true. Mm -hmm. And he was absolutely angry because he loved those people so much. He was about to die for those people and they were misrepresenting God to them. So he was angry.
0: Yeah. And and as you said, anger itself is not. Sinful. It's not a bad thing. Right. It's that righteous anger and what comes out of it. Right. Right. So Jesus used that opportunity to address and confront the Pharisees, right? And there can be areas in your life where... Being angry is okay. It's also it's also like we talked about with Todd is looking at what is that emotion underneath right. the anger because anger is a secondary emotion that is a result of other emotions right. typically that you feel could be disappointment or sadness mm-hmm. or frustration that's really underneath it, and so how you then re how you then act out of it, ch- choosing. um your words, yeah, carefully, mm-hmm. um, making having self control in how you are responding to that. That's all that. That's all the 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 other side of anger, right? That that keeps it from turning into a bad kind of anger, sure, which could I just mean, be lashing out at everybody right. and everything,
1: right. <laughs> cuz Paul didn't say don't be angry. He says in your anger do not sin yeah. and do not let the sun go down on your anger, which means you're going to have to deal with it. Exactly. But there are ways to deal with it and we're going to see in the example of David. Yes. Kind of how he how he did that. Um another thing that Jesus experienced was disgust um at the greed and racism and oppression of the poor. We read this in Matthew 21 and then there's another one in John 2 where he talks about he's he's gone into the temple and they are um selling sacrifices to be you know to be performed and, mm-hmm. and I mean it was just it was a hot mess and he goes into the temple and he is frustrated and disgusted with the way that they are treating the people yeah and he we read about it he turns over the money changers tables he They call it cleansing the temple in a lot of the subtitles in your (laughs) Bible. But he says, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. So he called out what he saw. But again, you know the thing about the example of Jesus is like, when I see something that I don't like, should my first reaction be to go in and knock everything (laughs) off the table and start calling names? No, he got it perfect. And that's why I bring David in because... David has to run to Jesus (laughs) in order to know how to do this well. So, but he experienced disgust. He experienced sorrow. This is another one when Jesus, you know, Jesus was very good friends with Mary and Martha and Mm -hmm. Lazarus, their brother. Mm -hmm. And frequently when he would go um, into Jerusalem, then he would go out to Bethany to stay with them. And so they had a friendship. They spent a lot of time together And in the story when Lazarus dies and Jesus comes on the scene and his sisters are crying, it says that when Jesus saw Mary weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And it says, and Jesus wept. Mm -hmm. Now, what's always been funny to me about this story is that he knew what he was going to do. Yeah. It wasn't like raising Lazarus from the dead was like an on the, you know, like he knew what he was going to do. And yet in that moment, the grief of the effects of, of illness and death on the body, the grief of seeing the people he loved grieving the person they loved, yeah. all of that brought him to a place of deep, deep sorrow. Hmm. And, it, you know, as believers, sometimes there's this, Oh, well, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. There's this sense of like, Oh, look, you know, just, it's okay, you know? And it's like, no, we do grieve. Yeah, We grieve deeply because we've loved deeply. And we know that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And so when Lazarus died, there was true sorrow and grief.
0: Yeah. I remember talking with Pastor Buddy about this and You know, he likes to give the example of, like, there's a lot of people who make their theology around what they see Jesus do and not do. Mm. And he said, imagine if we had created a theology of grief and there wasn't this verse about Jesus weeping. Mm. That would, you know, a lot of people would be informed and say, oh, well, that means it's not okay to cry. It's not okay to be sad when people die, in this case, like Lazarus or whatever and so he said the power of it including that jesus wept that he was moved he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled and wept that you know for in many cases for many people that allows that oh it's okay to cry it's okay to we it's okay Mm -hmm. to be moved this much and i I always thought that that was a, a neat way of thinking about yeah about that yeah
1: absolutely absolutely and I'm going through a lot of these emotions because I, I just think it's really important that we see that showed Jesus, the full
0: spectrum of them. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. Because I think sometimes we put Jesus in an emotional box. Yeah. You know what I
0: mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, Jesus was always that, you know, especially if if your picture of Jesus is is who you see on a painting. Right. Y- usually pretty stone-faced, just Jesus. You're like, huh. Or
1: I, he, or he's got a little halo. So and that's he's what always, perfection is. <laughs> yeah. Just and you're
0: like. Straight-faced. <laughs> yeah. You're
1: like, Nah. No mm-hmm. so we'll keep going. Jesus experienced compassion for the lost and the downtrodden. Um, many times in the Gospels we read that when Jesus saw the, gra- the crowds that he had compassion on them. And then of course, the greatest example of compassion is on the cross itself where he is being mocked after having been hung and he looks at, looks on these people that are jeering and mocking him and praise for them yeah. recognizing that even in this moment they don't know what they're doing and he had compassion for them yeah so that's one i aspire to <laughs> <laughs> i'm not always so great when people are being like unhelpful i get that to be like <sighs> <sighs> forgive them i'm like forgive me for, for yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think you got what three more on jesus right yep all right
1: do we have time? Yeah. Are we good? good? All right. All right. I'll talk faster. Um, frustration. We saw that Jesus experienced frustration. And this one, as I was researching, kind of made me laugh because I've done this myself. He, It was frustration with slow learners and their lack of faith. Um, in Matthew 17, um, there's a man who brings his demon-possessed son to Jesus. And he's, and he's like, you know, your disciples tried, but they couldn't cast him out. And Jesus... Jesus's response kind of cracks me up because they had seen, he's like, you've seen what I've done. You've heard my teaching. You still don't get it. Yeah. You should, like, should know better by now. He <laughs> says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. How long will I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of the boy. He was healed at that moment. <laughs> and what I laugh about is that sometimes, I mean, that's just so real. Real, like, seriously.
0: Do I have to do everything myself?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I just just love that. Same thing when he calmed the storm in Mark 4. He's like, why are you so afraid? He says to his disciples. Do you still have no faith? Mm -hmm. And I mean, we do not have the benefit of tone of voice.
0: True. You know. Right, you try to picture it like, you know, like a loving, tender moment. Yeah. And yet it could have been, come on, guys, Guys,
1: we've been over
0: this.
1: (laughs) I don't know, but I think Jesus had more of a sense of humor than we sometimes give him credit for. I think that's very true. um, Jesus experienced agony. We know in the Garden of Gethsemane that it says, you know, he's praying and he has been asking God if this cup can pass from him. Very human moment. I mean, He knew that that was his purpose. He knew that was why he was there. And yet in that moment, we know in Matthew, it's actually three times that he asks if the Mm -hmm. cup can pass. I mean, he was, if there was a way, he was going to ask God to show it to him. Mm -hmm. But it says, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Have you ever been in so much agony that you're begging God for something? And it's like, I mean that's that's a physiological response has actually been documented medically. I mean it's not that's not just like colorful language to say he was serious. Yeah, it's actually a thing. Yeah, and it comes under the most intense distress. And I mean he knew God's plan. He knew that he would rise again. Like it wasn't, but the humanness of like this is going to be really bad. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. and then. The last one that I put was abandonment, where when you think about Jesus on the cross and he knows what's coming, he knows the plan, all of those things, and yet he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that's got to be such a a poignant moment because he's never not been in perfect fellowship with the Father as part of the Trinity. Mm -hmm. And in this moment in his full humanity taking the sin of
0: the world the world yeah
1: there was this sense of separation from the father mm. that caused him to cry out that way yeah and it's just so if you've ever felt alone going through something really really hard yeah jesus gets that mm. and even though god obviously had not left him yeah There was that, in that moment, he, that's what he felt.
0: Yeah. So you see that full picture and pretty, almost every emotion that you could have, whether it's that the highest highs, that joy, that happiness, that Mm -hmm. delight, that love, or those lowest lows of abandonment, anger, or frustration, sadness, sadness. Jesus has been through those, has mm-hmm. been through those. And what that tells that's well, one thing that tells us is how okay it is, how how important it is for us to embrace that part of our humanity just as Jesus did.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like the writer of Hebrews talks about we have a high priest. He mm-hmm. makes the point in the book of Hebrews that Jesus has become our high priest. He says, but he ha- we have a high priest who has gone through everything. He can understand us because he's been through everything that we go through, yet was without sin. Yeah. So, I mean, he doesn't sit from afar and go, well, that looks (laughs) hard. He's actually walked through all of it. Yeah. Just like we do. So, but now I want to look at King David because he's a little bit more of a hot mess. (laughs) 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 And so, and he went through things that Jesus didn't go through because He is sinful like us. Yeah. So he experienced things and he had to do some different things Mm. than the way Jesus dealt with his emotions because there were a lot of places where David felt, experienced, and moved towards sin and then had to repent and come back. Yeah. So I thought that this was a good exercise. But I want to start where we started with Jesus. There were times when King David expressed great joy, yeah. overwhelming joy. One of my favorite stories is when he's the ark had been not in Israel for a long, long time. And so um, there's a point in time when it is coming back into Israel and David is out ahead of it. And he is so excited to be bringing the ark back mm-hmm. that he's out in front. He's dancing. He's praising the Lord. And his wife does the total eye roll. She's like, What?
0: (laughs) Yeah, she's not into this.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She was like, You look like an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Paraphrase. Um, And he basically replies, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He says, He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. You see, this one. It makes me think of Footloose, right? So you have David is the Wren. He's all about wanting to dance and to express his emotions and all that stuff. And Abigail is the Reverend Shaw. You know, it's like, what are you doing? That's not allowed in my town. You are embarrassing yourself and it's sinful. And David's like, no, it's not. This this is how I celebrate. And in Footloose the musical, there's a whole song uh, talking about David in this faith. But I'm not going to sing that here.
1: Darn. (laughs) I was getting hopeful. I was ready.
0: I I gave my footloose spiel. We don't need to continue with the song. You
1: can watch (laughs) it. It's probably on Netflix. Okay. So, David also experienced things that I think we've also all dealt with. Things like a guilty conscience. Um, David made some really bad decisions. Um, No kidding. Um. And in Psalm 32, he writes about it. He says, Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. Listen to this. He says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. He, we know that, (laughs) you know, he took a man's wife, got her pregnant, killed her husband,
0: I mean, not great stuff.
1: No. And for a long time, he lived. I mean, we don't know. I don't know that the scripture gives us exactly a time frame, but it was a while Mm -hmm. that he was living with what he had done.
0: Yeah.
1: And in blindness to how wrong he was fully, because he wouldn't confess it. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just was. And yet, deep down, he knew. Yeah, He wouldn't confess, but he knew. And, and he, he felt said his, his
0: bones wasting away. I mean, that's, that's a groaning yeah. all day long.
1: But he says, therefore, let everyone who's godly pray to you, speaking to God, while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. So in this situation, when he was keeping his sin, what he thought was hidden, yeah, and he was holding it in and he wasn't confessing and he wasn't dealing with it, it was eating him up. Yeah. And here it says but he started with coming to the Lord. You know, knowing that the the Lord does not hold your sin against you, but you have got to confess it to him. You've got to give it to him.
0: Yeah. And um this was an example of one of those emotions that Jesus did not have to right. have See, to she- feel because uh guilt was not part of part right. of his uh his whole thing. Right. <laughs>
1: He didn't require being convicted by the Holy Spirit. So again, so, but once he confessed, once he admitted his sin, he experienced godly sorrow and then repentance, which Jesus also did not do. But we read in Psalm 51, four, and this is, this is King David's prayer. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgression, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight that thou might be justified when thou speakest I always use King James. I don't know why. (laughs) And be clear when you judge.
0: That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest.
1: Yes. (laughs) Hey, it's generational. Um, But here, so David, when he didn't confess, his bones wasted away. But when he came to God, he knew that God would wash his sin away. And he recognized that, yes, he had sinned. Technically, he sinned against Bathsheba.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, if there was ever a power play, he was the king. She was, yeah. you know, a woman in the, the kingdom. So, I mean, there was a power made power play made. Mm-hmm. He enticed her. He then killed her. You know what I mean? Like, there was a lot going on. Yeah, he so, didn't
0: kill her. We should no, just clarify. No, he killed her husband, <laughs> yes. which, like, hello. <laughs>
1: But at the same, so he sinned against them. But ultimately, his sin was against God. Yeah, and he knew better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, so here is that confession and that repentance. Mm. And so, but again, when he realized these things, he came to God. And I want to keep coming back to that because that's something that we're going to have to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next, there was courage. We see in David the story. You know. This is so early in David's life. Like we've, you know, we see David as the mighty king, but this is when he was like the forgotten brother. Yeah. I mean, he was so forgotten that when- Not
0: just forgotten, like, like the runt.
1: Well, I mean, I was thinking about that this week that when Samuel goes to Jesse and he's like, bring out your sons, you know, and he brings out most of them. Yeah. You know, and God's like, no, 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 no. And he's like, well, do you have any more? And Jesse's kind of like, yeah, well- I mean, yeah, there's David, but he's like...
0: Makes me think of Cinderella.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was like... No, I I gave you all of my daughters. Yeah, and it's like he was so not on his dad's radar as somebody of value.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> he was like, still out.
0: Surely you can't mean The
1: prophet's coming him. to the house, and he's like, yeah, David doesn't need to... Yeah, yeah. He's, You're looking
0: like, for someone kingly, right?
1: right? Yeah, so we won't <laughs> even call him. But then in that place, you know, he sends... A little bit later, his brothers are all out on the front lines with Saul, the king, supposedly fighting Goliath, and they weren't.
0: And just watching him.
1: Yeah, they were watching. (laughs) But then when David goes to the front lines, presumably to bring his brothers a sandwich, that was the guys that got got him there, right? Um, He sees this, and he is filled with courage. And he's like, let no one lose heart on the account of this Philistine. Your servant will go fight him. The least likely, the least well-equipped. Yeah. He didn't even, I mean, Saul's armor was too big, so he didn't even end up
0: using that. dealt with lions and bears before. I could deal with this guy.
1: Yeah, he's like lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my, I owned them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As many theater references as we can get into this (laughs) as possible. But... He had courage, but not because he knew he could do it. It wasn't like I'm the rock, you know what I mean? And I'm a an- Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? If you're Dwayne Johnson, you know, maybe this guy's not scary.
0: But- I don't know. This guy's still pretty big <laughs> for, from from all accounts.
1: But David was unimpressively yeah. not equipped.
0: Yeah. It was a, a very big differential.
1: Right. So for him, courage was something that came from leaning on God, not because he was like, look yeah. at me, I'm ripped. It was like, nah.
0: Yeah. It, so. Yeah. It's like if you're a, if you're a basketball fan, it's like I, I, Isaiah Thomas, you know, or Tiny Archibald going up against like Matumbo. Very different <laughs> statures here. I believe you. Great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Another thing we see in David is fear. And I think sometimes as Christians, it's like, well, there's 365, fear not. So we just should not be afraid. Reality check, we get afraid. Yeah. That's why God had to tell us 365 times not to be afraid Mm -hmm. because we do get afraid. And in this case, it's because Saul had gone after him to kill him. I'd be afraid. Not great. Not great. 1 Samuel 23, 15, David was afraid because Saul had come out to seek his life while David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish. So we know that... There were moments even after great triumphs of of faith and seeing God do amazing things, you know, because this is much later, after you know, after Goliath. Yeah. You know, you sometimes you think, well, if you had a victory like Goliath,
0: then you should be good. Then you'd
1: never wonder yeah. again. Like you'd be like, I don't ever have to be afraid. God is with me. He'll come through. This is easy. Yep. And then Saul. Not Goliath, comes after you and you're like, oh, legitimate. I gotta run. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: so again,
0: I gotta run to the wilderness of Ziff which sounds like a Monty Python area.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like, where even is that? <laughs> David experienced loneliness. Um, he had to flee the city, right? Because he was being pursued. Psalm 25, 15 says, turn to me and be gracious to me. For I am lonely and afflicted. And again, the reason we know that he felt lonely and afflicted was because he called out to God in that. A lot of mm. the way that we, a lot of the places we see David expressing his emotions are through the Psalms. Oh yeah, um, and I love that because it gives it gives context to the fact that sometimes with our emotions we may not know what to do with them. But when you look at King David, I think. One of the most important lessons is that no matter what you're feeling, you can bring it to God. And we've talked about this before when we yeah. talked about lament. Mm-hmm. And lament can be out of sadness, but it could also be out of anger. It can also be out of fear. Where the heck are you, God? Do you see what I'm dealing with? Yeah, Like all of those feelings are so safe to bring to God. Like he wants to meet you in the midst of whatever. It's not like, oh, well, God wants me to not be afraid, so I'm going to you know, try to push this fear down, and then I'll come and be brave and courageous for the lord it's like no
0: yeah no i think that's a great a great reminder is we see all of these emotions played out in a lot of these cases it's because david wrote about them right right that he was writing them down talking to god even through his words that that were e- either dictated or written down um and it, or a lot of these were stories that had been you know told and passed through. Passed through generations in mm-hmm. spinely, or in, uh, divinely inspiredly passed through generations. Yes, but focused on just these really human characteristics. Mm-hmm. You know, just these examples of these emotions, like, like fear, repentance, and that guilty conscience, or going back to Jesus and all those um, emotions that we talked about earlier. Um, there's there's something really important that that those have continued that, those were important enough to be a part right. of the biblical narrative.
1: And I love always, one of the things I've always loved about the biblical narrative is it doesn't paint its heroes as no struggles, no problems, you know yeah, what they I mean? not
0: these like, you know, idols of perfection.
1: Right, and part of the reason I chose David, you know, I mentioned he was chosen, he was a man after God's own heart, and he struggled profoundly. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's me. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm chosen by God. Yeah. You're chosen by God. He delights in us. He, he you know, but at the same time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: at least for me, I make bonehead decisions all the time. I struggle profoundly yeah. with different things. And so I thought, man, I love the fact that we have so much about King David because I think that it just, it helps us know that God, he doesn't use us because we're all shiny and neat and clean and our, our, you know, the story's all put together and it's all great. It's because in our brokenness, we can just come to him and he says, I'm going to use you in spite of that. And I'm going to use, I'm going to use those very things Mm -hmm. to get my work done through you. So the very last one that I want to look at is grief and desperation is because, again, this is one of those real moments where we see King David. So, of course, we already talked about the fact that he slept with a woman that wasn't his wife and got her pregnant. Well, the child from that union was born and became very, very sick and ultimately would die. Yeah. Um, and so while this child was dying, God, I mean, excuse me, David was crying out to God on behalf of that child. Second um, Samuel 12, it says, David therefore sought God on behalf of the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. And the elders of his house stood beside him to raise him from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. For seven days, Dave, David pleaded with God for the child's life. He refused to eat. He would not get up or do anything but pray to God to spare his son. So there are times when even knowing the goodness of God, even knowing the provision of God, even knowing the power of God and all of those things, yeah. there's just this utter like grief and desperation that we can walk through. And again, what did David do? Mm-hmm. He brought it to the Lord, you know, because either the Lord was going to answer the prayer the way he had asked him to, or God was going to meet him in the midst of that and walk him through it. Mm-hmm but God was going to be with him no matter what.
0: Yeah. So those those are amazing examples that we see from Jesus, amazing examples that we see of David of just all of these different emotions and how they played out and not just the fact that they had them, but how they handled them, how they wrestled with them. And again, that just that really helps to remind us that it's okay to experience all of these different emotions. In the episode we did with Todd, we talked about the power of naming your emotions and having word lists, the power of word lists and everything. You could look at a word list and see probably every single one of those Mm -hmm. at some point in the Bible. There's so many different examples that we didn't even touch on in this episode, right? Like Examples. Examples from Moses, examples from Abraham, even right. New Testament examples, examples of Peter and all this stuff. And again, it's ranging from those really high, happy emotions—the the elation of Peter jumping out of the boat when he sees Jesus on the shore, Where are you going, "I gotta get to Jesus! I gotta go see!" You know, versus the complete downtroddenness mm. or or anger of, of of Moses being so angry that that he killed the e- Egyptian, uh, right? slave master guy and so there's like again you hear this whole gambit and what you see is God's hand mm-hmm. still on us even even through all this stuff mm-hmm. even through even through the emotions that ultimately um are part of sin that we experience sure like Moses <laughs> in that case or um it doesn't it didn't mean that God stopped loving Moses right. it does didn't mean that God didn't use moses or or love moses and and it just meant that this that we are still our broken selves Mm -hmm. but our emotions are not are not a part of our emotions are a Mm god-given part of our humanity Mm -hmm. now our brokenness can find its way into our emotions sure and can lead in and that can all be affected but um what i hope people got from this exercise in this episode is just seeing that, that the Bible is an emotional story. Absolutely. And it's full, it's a story of real people with real God given emotions. Mm-hmm. And there are lessons in there for how we can appropriately respond and act on those emotions um, that we have.
1: Absolutely. And if I can just wrap up yeah. with, I'd, I've said it a couple of times already, and I'm glad that you. Um, talked about the feelings lists and things because saying you're sad is one thing, but saying you feel betrayed is something indifferent. You know what I mean? Getting in and naming those emotions, super powerful, super beneficial because sometimes then that can lead you to, to understanding kind of what's behind what you're feeling, but whatever you're feeling, remember that your feelings aren't wrong. They're a gauge. So then that's why you need to dig. And maybe you need a spiritual director or a mentor, counselor, somebody to help you kind of sift through what you're feeling, what you might be responding to. But in all of that, let your feelings move you toward God, mm-hmm. not away from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that was my favorite thing about mm-hmm. David is that no matter what he was feeling, whether he was mad at God, like, where are you? Do you yeah. see what is happening? Or where? whether he was sad, whether he felt guilty, whether he felt fearful, he ran back to God and knew that even though even though it was difficult and even though it was painful, that God was the one that could help him and God would never turn away from him and God would, would receive him however he was and be with him in that space. Yeah. And I think that that makes all of these emotions something that we can, we can own and we can bring to him and we can bring to wise counsel and then we can learn to respond. You know, yes, learning the way to respond so that it is healthy and not sinful, that takes time. Yeah. But we don't want to say, oh, well, I'm feeling this, that's a bad feeling and I'm just going to push it down and ignore it. That never goes well.
0: Never goes well. Linda, thank you for bringing all of these great examples so for doing a biblical survey with us of yes. emotions. And uh, friends, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I I mean, this conversation was all over the place in a great way. <laughs> and I know we had fun. <laughs> we did. Uh, so friends, we love you, and we will be back, as always, next week with a brand new episode of Doable Discipleship.